0: To be honest, I'm not sure how much you're going to like most of this episode. Why did you... the w- Strong start.
1: You, you literally were like, hey, do you want to be on the next episode? I think you'd really like this one. I think you will. You just said
0: I wouldn't. Well, you will. I will or I won't. I You will. You just said I won't with here's, full confidence. Well, so here's the thing. Okay. You're going to find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to laugh.
1: Okay. We'll have a good gaff. Why wouldn't I like it then? We'll have a good goof and gaff. Why wouldn't I like it? What's wrong with it? Hi, I'm Maria.
0: <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Geographic. I'm joined again by fan favorites. <laughs> i am Arya. My, my buddy aria one out of two that's <laughs> been on this glorious podcast you had some good reviews we got our our I i guess we, you, <laughs> we? <laughs> i got my first itunes review
1: oh my god yeah it was, was it your good, mom no well
0: oh. i don't know actually it's definitely liz <laughs> no it wasn't me it's cause not, i don't have apple music it's not her um the username is different. Our first I said it again. <laughs> it's kind of first. You've already been on two out of three, so technically you have two thirds share in the company. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. But the first review was on Friday from Vanessa. Thank you, Vanessa. She said, Funny and informative. Less than three. Five star review. Less that's really three. sweet oh yeah. heart yeah it's a heart 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 She's oh like less thanks than three vanessa stars. with the b thanks vanessa with a b i love a good shout I out i really appreciate that anyway this is aria i'm alexis and this is geographic hello thank you um i did also want to mention first i don't have any nature news or anything to bring up this week but i what
1: i have nature news oh what Joe Biden, The Willow Project. What is that? You bitch, this is a nature <laughs> podcast and you don't know about Joe Biden and The Willow Project? I don't. For those who are following, Joe Biden was in San Diego this past few days. Um, he made a proposition, if you will, to... Oh, fuck, what was it? Basically, TLDR, almost 300 million CO2 will be launched in the air via the next 30 years because he plans on selling part of alaska for oil people are hung up over the idea of like you 300 million co2 it's not that much part of
0: alaska like that
1: it's not that much
0: who's he gonna sell it CO2 to
1: because la like gives almost like 200 oh i know mil a year i know people are held up over that but the thing is he's basically if he makes alaska an oil drilling that's place not awesome yeah what's everythi- the point then all oh. of the animals are gonna be major to displaced yeah so but he's like we'll have fuel <laughs> fuel and energy oh gee <laughs> so i think the the petition is over though so i don't know what oh, the outcome it. was well um but it was all over tiktok so if you signed that petition thank you thank i you. definitely saw it too late save alaska
0: <laughs> yeah
1: not great that's my nature news that was good thank you i didn't know about
0: that i think i've heard of the willow project but i didn't know that yeah really sad really really sad that is really sad that sucks i'll i'll find anything relating to it and i'll put it i'll put links to it in the show notes maybe there is more petitions or just information about it i'll i'll put it all up yeah there's a lot of sad tiktoks of like
1: joe biden (laughs) tiktok edits of like you said you'd save our planet. Fan cams of Joe Biden. Literally. You said you'd save our planet, and protect it forever, and then insert <laughs> Willow Projects <laughs> and sad dramatic music. Like, all
0: right, Joey. <laughs> kinda
1: fucked us all up, yeah, huh? Not awesome, Joey. But also power.
0: But we need that to survive. Sure, we so. do. But we should be looking into alternative sources of fuel and power Facts. instead of turning half of a state into an oil field. But I'm not in Congress, am I? I'm just on my silly little microphone. Anyway, (laughs) that nature news is what's happening. Uh, And just, I also want to say, I am currently working on getting transcripts done for these episodes. It's just taking a little long because the program I use for transcription isn't perfect. So I just need to clean them up a little. Rest assured, they are coming and they're going to be great. Yay! You uh, You have auditory processing issues Anything like that, I want to make sure that you can still enjoy.
1: Or need to, you know, copy and paste in sight for your projects. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: So today, I'm going to tell you a story about a dude named Charles Bud Robinson. He's a botanist. He's from Canada. And uh, something happens to him. Oh? Oh? Something happens to uh, old Dr. Robinson. That's exciting. It is exciting. He um he went missing on December fifth, nineteen thirteen. Why yeah. are you laughing? <laughs> That's not that exciting. No. That's actually kinda bad. Well, it's bad, but oh just wait till you hear the rest of it. So he went missing December fifth, nineteen thirteen. The true manner of what actually happened to him has invited a lot of speculation and theories in the years since. So we're gonna get into that. First, because as I said, he's a botanist, I wanna tell you a little bit about two of your favorite things combined into one Mm -hmm. the history of biology Uh, in the 19th century uh, uh, (laughs) i'll make it interesting i swear Uh, i'm going into this blind (laughs) i have no idea what this thing is about oh yeah you don't Uh, i don't think that a lot of people do um at least this is not something i've come across in many other podcasts there's one other one and i so bad for forgetting the name of it. It has the word gardener in it or gardening. But if you just look up Charles Bud Robinson, Charles Bud Robinson podcast, their episode should come up. But to really give you a sense of everything going on, all the factors at play here, I got to give you the history of it. So before the 19th century, biology and science was just kind of a means of classifying things. You look at something, you describe it, write it down. Bada boom, bada bing, you're a scientist. However. It's that easy? It's, it was that fucking easy. That the easy? guy whose uh, naming system we use today, Linnaeus, his uh, his taxonomic naming, the Latin names, the scientific names for things. Linnaeus was not a scientist. He was pretty much just calling him as he saw him. So
1: ah, gorilla, gorilla, gorilla. Yeah. Thanks, he was man. like
0: one of these early scientists, but he wasn't, you know, he his observations weren't necessarily grounded in any kind of science that we would think of today, but early biologists were becoming less interested in simply describing natural forms. And they were becoming more interested in why and how these forms came about. And this led to several really significant watershed moments in science that took place during the 1800s. There was of course the development of cell theory, germ theory, Gregor Mendel's heredity studies with his uh, pea plants. The peas, yeah, Punnett squares. You remember? Yeah. <laughs> New discoveries in paleontology, thanks to the likes of my girl Mary Anning, Edward Drinker Cope, O.C. Marsh, George Cuvier, many, many others, as well as geology with people like James Hutton and Charles Lyell. And then, of course, there is the what I consider the holy grail of biology: groundbreaking development of the theory of evolution. This was pioneered by people like Alfred Russell Wallace, uh, John Baptiste Lamarck, and of course, Charles Darwin. Also, just a quick note, justice for my man, Alfred Russell Wallace, because he's the one who encouraged Darwin to publish on The Origin of Species. Darwin did not want to because he was worried about the backlash he would get. He was just as instrumental in presenting the theory of evolution, and he gets zero credit for it. So I want to talk about it. My, my man. My man. The fields of botany and zoology were also being developed into their own professional disciplines at this time. The study of plants, though, already had a pretty extensive history. Plants, for the entirety of human history, have fed us, clothed us, fueled us, sheltered us, so it makes sense that we'd want to study them. Records of ancient plant studies have been found in numerous cultures throughout the world. Some of the oldest records of botanical studies are contained in Hindu and Sanskrit texts found in India... These date back 3,700 years ago, and they include comprehensive classification of multiple plant types and even plant medicine. Even older records of medicinal plant applications have been traced as far back as 3,000 BCE in Mesopotamia and China, which is just mm, a casual 5,000 years ago. There's also something called the Area. This was found in China. Not the Aria, but it's very close. So close. So close. so close the area found in china this date that this dates back about 2300 years ago and it's actually considered the world's oldest and first plant field guide did you know what
1: the way you spell my name Mm-hmm. a-u-r-e-a mm-hmm. it's a flower is it really it's a flower wow it looks kind of like a dandelion that's pretty like the flower dandelion, gosh. not the fuzzy part <laughs> wow
0: it's kind of perfect that i brought you for this episode Ta-da! I would also be remiss if I didn't mention Theophrastus, Greek guy. He's considered the father of botany. He conducted extensive studies of plants and helped to develop a more complex system of plant classification 2,400 years ago in ancient Greece. It wasn't until around the 18th century, 1700s, that extensive travel for fieldwork started becoming more of a trend. Guy mentioned before, Linnaeus. He was one of the first botanists to really endorse this practice, and his endorsement of fieldwork encouraged some of his students to pursue it as well. I read something that says a group of them left on these fieldwork studies, and only about half of them came back. The rest died because they were ill-prepared for the uh, rigors of travel to distant, remote places, or just the conditions of these places. I'm I'm sorry... They died for plants.
1: Yep. I thought you were going to say, like, oh, they died because they touched something weird. Well, yeah, that's part of it. Some I of didn't them, like, I think you're going to tell me that they were,
0: like, wild. Some unprepared. of them, like, went crazy. Went cra- huh. It's a little intense. It's actually <laughs> a really good uh, segue into the next point. Where did they hike? Well, oh, turns out the flora and fauna of Southeast Asia was of interest to in 19th and 20th century botanists because it was, at that time, to Europeans, a very unknown region. At a lot of what they considered exotic plants and animals. Planimals. The story that I'm going to tell you takes place on an island in Indonesia called Ambon. I've seen it pronounced Ambon. 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 But. A-bon. A-bon. A-M-B-O-N. I'm going to say Ambon. Um, back then it was known as Amboina. Amboina or Amboina. I think it's Ambuena. Ambuena sounds stupid. <laughs> I
1: was gonna say Ambuena.
0: <laughs> that sounds kind of cute. Ain't that that little? Ain't that that little fairy? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the Thumbelina. <laughs> Ambon Island was one of these islands that drew biologists. So Ambon is part of the Maluku Archipelago. It was formerly known as the Malukas. I, I've seen sources use both in the present day, so I'll just use those interchangeably as well. And Ambon City, which is the capital of Ambon itself, unsurprisingly, is also the capital of the Maluku province, which is the largest province in Indonesia, and it consists of over 1,000 islands. It's kind of a lot. It's a lot. It's almost like the Philippines. Yeah. I mean, we're in Southeast Asia. There's a lot of islands over there. It's like you, Pangaea. <laughs> the name Maluku is apparently derived either from the Arabic name Jazerat al muluk which means Land of Kings. Or, and I think this is probably the case, more likely from the indigenous word molauku, which refers to the head of a bull, or simply the head of something large. It's probably most likely the latter, because from what I read, it seems like when Arabic traders arrived to the island, it was in the 15th century, and this word has been found in texts and records predating that. Or at least, there's evidence of it being used before that. Most people might know the Malukas by a different name, which would be the Spice Islands. They were called this in the 16th and 17th century by imperial powers who exploited the islands. for their abundance of things like mace, cloves, nutmeg, pepper. These were the biggest straws. Uh, crops that were grown on these islands were things like cassava, sago, mm. cocoa, mm. coffee, mm, sugarcane, cotton, mm. and breadfruit mm. were all grown here. Uh, the Dutch East India Company, those motherfuckers, created a monopoly on cloves by prohibiting them to be grown on any other island within their imperial purview, and they would they would do this through something called hongi Tochten, I think is how you say it. This refers to the annual inspection of the islands to destroy any clove trees outside of the monopoly area. Uh. Yeah. Not awesome. Not cool. All right. Deforestation. Yeah. Similar to what Joe Biden is doing. Yeah, it is. Good connection. What the fuck, Joe? All right. Before uh, the arrival of the Europeans in the 16th century, however, the region was previously visited by Chinese, Indian, African, and Arab traders who were also drawn by the spices that these islands provided. Indigenous Ambonese are believed to be descended from the same lineage as indigenous peoples in Papua New Guinea and Australia. Uh, a source that I found from Everyculture.com, shout out Everyculture.com, <laughs> says, "Javanese culture became a mind dazzling amalgam of earlier indigenous cultural traits with concepts and beliefs of Hindu, Javanese, Arab, Portuguese, and Dutch origin." And Whoa, well, that's some a lot of people, yeah, it's kind of a, just a big melting pot. Many native tribes, such as the Alifuru, who I believe they call themselves Nua Ulu, is their word. Um, there are Melanesian people who are native to the interior regions of Saram and their practices and beliefs are representative of the traditional Ambonese culture. They, along with a lot of other indigenous groups have intermingled with each of these outside groups. It's been like that for a long time. I mentioned them because they had a certain custom. Um, headhunting is a practice associated with the indigenous Ambonese the hell is head hunting? It's when you kill someone and take their head. What? Yeah. Taking a human head was actually an important custom in a lot of traditional ceremonies. Like weddings. <laughs> Whose wedding? Are you taking someone's Just head? Just weddings. It was part of um, part of the bride price. So hmm. you would like what buy your the... wife, <laughs> buy your woman. With a with...
1: head. Okay. I'm not even going to question
0: it. Yeah. Europeans first showed up in 1513 and it was the Portuguese. They were the first Europeans to arrive in Ambon, and once here, they attempted to control the spice trade and convert the Ambonese to Catholicism, which was kind of a no-go. There was a lot of resistance from native Muslims that prevented them from establishing a strong foothold in Ambon and its spice trade. This strong Muslim presence was due to Arab traders in the past bringing Islam to central Maluku. So it was Islam was the dominant religion in this area at this time. So the Portuguese kind of fail miserably to establish anything in central Maluku and they're later on supplanted by the Dutch in 1605 who uh, established, I'm saying I've said established like 40 times. <laughs> they're supplanted by the Dutch in 1605 who then established colonial ownership of the Maluccas and took control of the spice trade and they were very successful. Christianity continued to grow in central Maluka because of more Christian Europeans flocking to the region. Now, the indigenous language of the native Ambonese is, they call it Bahasatana, which means language of the land. For Muslim Ambonese, it's actually a second language because their first is Arabic. And I read somewhere that apparently villages with Muslim populations uh, managed to retain more of the Tana compared to Christian villages. This seems like it's due not so much to you know, the religions themselves and more to just the fact that these Muslim villages had less engagement with colonizers and outside influences as opposed to these Christian villages. However, the destruction of the indigenous language and customs was undertaken by the Dutch in the years leading up to World War I, which is right about where our story is going to be.
1: Hey, that's where our first story started off, too. Oh, my God, you're right. Dude, what the fuck happened? during? What was in the air
0: during the war?
1: Jesus what was in the air?
0: Christ. Today, uh, Ambonese Malay is the language that's mostly spoken on the island. Is it still like an actual island? It is, yeah. You can go visit. There's people still there? They sh- Yeah, there definitely is. Cool. One of the websites I used for research, it was really sad, it was called Dive into Ambon um, because Ambon is like a really popular diving location. Oh, that's cool. But when you open the website, a pop-up comes up that says we did not survive COVID nineteen, but we'll keep this website up in honor of the people who worked for us.
1: Wait, like the company? Yeah, like the oh, company. Oh, that's a weird Sadly way to. that we
0: s- did not survive COVID nineteen. That's so sad. <laughs> it's really sad. Everyone, go show, dive into Ambon some love because they deserve it. I got a lot of information from that website too. But while the islands were being colonized by the Dutch, it seemed that the Ambonese in particular actually had pretty close ties to them. The Dutch East India Company was actually headquartered in Ambon up until 1619. It was Ambonese Christians in particular who made up a really large portion of their colonial military and the bureaucracy as well. It seems that Christian Ambonese actually identified more with the Dutch than they did with native Ambonese.
1: That's a really divided culture. It
0: really is. And they would receive preferential treatment over non ambonese people, stuff like higher pay, better positions, better rations better pizza papa john's so you can imagine they didn't have a great reputation amongst the other islands in the central in central maluku the javanese in particular derogatorily referred to the referred to the Ambonese as dogs of the dutch and black oh. dutchmen oh. yeah however not all Ambonese allied themselves with the dutch so there was a point where britain actually occupied the island for a little bit and once they were kicked out There were several uprisings against the reimposition of Dutch rule that happened. Um, Didn't work out. Dutch did eventually. The Dutch did manage to take control again, but it's worth just knowing that. And although the spice trade really kind of began to fall off in the 18th and 19th centuries, the Dutch still held on to their colonial possessions in the Malukas. And like I mentioned, that occupation by the British, uh, they occupied the island from 1796 to 1802. And in that time, they were like, fuck it, we ball. And they spread the cultivation of cloves outside of the island. But it really didn't matter at that point because tea, sugar, and coffee were the more sought-after imports. So now we have cloves. (laughs) So this is the state that we find Ambonen firmly within uh, Dutch colonial control by the time our boy... Dr. Charles Bud Robinson comes in, and I'd really just love that he's a botanist, and he has Bud in his name. I really do feel bad about what happened to him. It's a sad story, but... Is it, like, confirmed, though? No. So that's the thing. He died. Well, they think. He disappeared, and they believe he died, and I'm going to tell you a couple theories about what they think happened to him. Okay. I'm ready. All right. Okay. Little background goes to and Annbon. <laughs> little background on our on our buddy Dr. Robinson. He was born October 26, eighteen seventy one. So he was uh, forty two years old at the time of his disappearance in nineteen thirteen. He was born in Pictou, Nova Scotia. He was the only son to a telegrapher named Charles Bud Robinson, Sr. <laughs> and his wife Frances. He did also have a younger sister named Adeline, though. It seems at some point in his youth, I couldn't find a lot about how he developed an interest in plants, but he did. He graduated from a place called Dalhousie University. However, apparently there's a lot of discourse over whether it's actually pronounced Dalhousie. I originally thought it was Dalhousie. I feel like I've heard that before. Dalhousie? Dalhousie. Because it's named after a Scottish guy. So I've seen people be like, well, Dalhousie is how it's supposed to be said. But he had to like anglicize it so that so that it sounded more pleasant to the ear i guess so it we from dalhousie dalhousie to dalhousie Housie. but he graduated from this university in 1891 and he received his doctorate from columbia university in 1906 in the interim between these two schools he took up teaching positions at canadian universities he continued studies of canadian botany and he began collaborating with the new york botanical garden uh, from 1903 to about 1908. New York Botanical Garden is also known as the NYBG, not to be confused with the OBGYn or the LGBT. So he was kind of slaying Yeah, he did a lot with his life He did he really did. So at the it age seems, of 43 yeah wow. it seems like he did le- uh, live a very fulfilled life but it's sad because he had a lot of promise. He seemed like a very bright, very passionate guy so really unfortunate what happened. After receiving his doctorate, he spent the next few years working at the NYBG as an assistant curator of the herbarium there. And after that, he was actually recruited to the Philippines Bureau of Sciences as an economic botanist.
1: Yeah, woo! (laughs) Pinoy pride!
0: (laughs) He did briefly return to New York for a little bit in about 1911, 1912-ish, and then he went back to Manila, where he was assigned to study the flora of Ambon with a colleague named Dr. Elmer Drew Merrill, and they arrived in Ambon uh, on July 15th, 1913. Have you ever been to Manila? I... What? Really? I've been to the Philippines three times. Yeah, but...
1: Have you been to Manila? You land in Manila. It's the capital. Oh. When you go to the the equivalent to the big island well they
0: must have other airports right
1: they do but for like main airlines ah, I it's see. like the international airport mm. you feel me cool it's like you can't land an international plane at the carney mesa airport <laughs> you know oh shit you <laughs> or the, can't? Sa- the
0: santee airport oh you can't no uh, i gotta call a guy then okay um <laughs> uh, <laughs> But they arrive on this island on July 15th, 1913. And things are going pretty smooth. They're collecting specimens, getting some really good info, doing some really extensive studies, up until December 5th, 1913. On this day... Dr. Robinson decides he's going to set off alone for a botanical research expedition further into the interior of Ambon. But he reportedly departed, uh, people said, with great enthusiasm. He was really excited to be going on this expedition. And he did have a good reputation among the indigenous population on this island. They actually, this is really sweet, they endearingly called him Dr. Kembang, which means Dr. Flower. Aww. I know, and Aww. children. <laughs> Children would bring him plants for his herbarium. And he was known as being a very kind and friendly man.
1: See, this is this is how you
0: go. This is how you go about life.
1: This is how you go about life and going into territory that is not your right. own. Right,
0: exactly. Just
1: be friendly, be kind, Just be respectful. He,
0: he had a lot of uh, respect and admiration for the Ambanese. Sometimes scientists fuck. Sometimes they do.
1: Dr. The Robinson,
0: the my guy. For the most part, they're Hopefully all pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> I couldn't find much about him, but hopefully... Hopefully he lived a nice, well life. Yeah. So he leaves December 5th. Six days pass. There's no sign of him. There's no word of him. And on December 11th, he is reported missing. Now, the Bureau believes that he either got lost or met with some sort of accident, given his propensity to explore remote areas in search of specimens. They figured something happened, but I think that they thought it wasn't too serious, from what I read. It seemed they were just like, oh, maybe he died. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. But after December 5th, Dr. Robinson was never seen again, dead or alive.
1: Well, now I'm kind of sad. Uh,
0: yeah, I know. Me too. Uh, I just established his, I just set up his whole character.
1: Yeah, you literally set it up and you were like, yeah, he was a nice, loving guy. And I was like, yeah, I hope he lived a nice he life. I'm knowing that he, was un- he 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 dis- disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> I I meant that in a way of like. Oh, I hope he lived a long, happy life after, you know, because he was so well respected.
0: No! He went missing. He went missing. And that was the last anyone saw him. And unreported? Yeah, well, they reported him uh, like a week later. Um, so he was found? No, he was not. So, like, uh, he was not
1: reported ever seen, him being ever again? No. Jesus, so he was Alexis. Presumed
0: dead. Jesus I know. Jesus Christ. I know.
1: You made me so happy for the future this I got you attached,
0: man. and then I just ripped him away from you. But in comes this dude. He's known as the assistant resident of Ambon. I don't know what that means. I couldn't find a lot about what that position actually is. But he's referred to as Mr. Van Dissel. Also Mr. Van Diesel. I know. No. No. <laughs> no. No, no, no way. way. <laughs> no way. Mr. Van Dissel. <laughs> All right, so... What's Vin resident... Diesel doing here, bro? <clears throat> so, assistant resident of Ambon, Mr. Vin Diesel, wrote a speculative... He wrote a highly speculative report of what he believed was Dr. Robinson's fate. And he uh, he addressed this report to the resident of Ambon, so the guy above him, who was a dude named Mr. Rate Van Olden Barnevelt. So, generally, it's accepted that Dr. Robinson's death was caused by a group called the Binunko people who lived in a remote village in the interior of Ambon. Uh Binonko refers to like a seafaring refers to these seafaring Bhutanese immigrants who settled in Ambon and throughout central Maluku. An old Doctor Vin Diesel proposed the <laughs> following scenario. Okay. He thinks what happened is Dr. Robinson I swear to God, if he paints
1: these people as monsters and like vicious
0: creatures, I'm gonna lose my shit. Well, just remember, he's European and it's 1913. So, (sighs) I know. So what he thinks happened is Dr. Robinson came across a remote settlement and as he was walking towards it, he looked up and he spotted a young boy who had climbed up a coconut tree. This boy who might have been unaccustomed to seeing Europeans on this part of the island, hurried back to the village, terrified to report what he saw. And when Robinson arrived to the village where he was headed, six of the villagers killed him, believing that he was a headhunter.
1: I'm sorry, but that guy must be so fucking sore from how he reached. I really hope he did some stretches before that reach anybody would have known anybody who would have known mr robinson would have been like homie homie was on such good terms with these people right
0: well that's that's part of so he thinks that this was a, a village who was unfamiliar with him oh it was so very like, insulated oh
1: because like homeboy must have like traveled
0: you yeah know? so they think he got like deep into the interior of ambon and came mm, across them someone that he didn't know mm-hmm Okay, I can see where the I theory comes. The thing is, I couldn't find any alternate theories other than just indigenous people killed him. Uh, what if it was an animal? That's yeah, I know. I don't know. So that's Wait, yeah. Is this podcast like animal based at all, or is this just like plant based? This one is about just this is just because it's something that happens in nature. Oh, uh, oh, so this is like true crime? Yeah,
1: kind of. Yeah, oh, <laughs> kind of is. Shit. Oh, shit, true shit. nature
0: crime. Nice.
1: (laughs) I thought this was about the weird cougar tiger lion thing.
0: No, that's that's next week.
1: I thought those the the kumquat.
0: I I don't know how to pronounce it. The chompawat tiger. So (laughs) close. The kumquat.
1: I thought this entire time this was about. (laughs) This is exactly how I felt when I watched (laughs) Anastasia.
0: Right, but you're with me now. That's what's important. Oh my god! It's about god. this botanist.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> I've, I'll introduce the episode like, every time I start. I was so. like,
1: when? When does the tiger, the tiger to
0: show up? <laughs> you said this episode was short, Alexis. You haven't even mentioned the tiger yet.
1: Continue anyway.
0: <laughs> So <laughs> he suspects that they thought he was a headhunter because, as I mentioned, headhunting was a custom in this area. This village had probably heard rumors of it and to them dr robinson also his presence was just very strange not only because he was a european he was also this is kind of funny he was his attire was strange um, because he was in his his like botanist uniform which was khaki mm-hmm. a little felt hat Well. What? And he had some kind of knife that he was carrying with him. Okay. Apparently, some locals in Ambon City said that he looked like a convict. Okay, Robin Hood. Okay. So that's one theory. This boy was just frightened because he was unused to seeing Europeans. Rumors of head hunting played into this. They thought he was a headhunter, so they killed him. That's one theory. Second, that uh, Van Dissel, oh my god, Van Dissel. Now this is the one I think you're going to laugh at. I've been laughing this entire time. You have. Mr. Van Diesel is just really reaching. Gooping and gaffing. So Van Diesel suggested that perhaps a language error may have been responsible for his death. Okay. Robinson was known to speak Malay poorly. And when he saw the boy in the coconut tree, he may have asked him to cut down a coconut for him. He's, no. a, he's a botanist. He likes plants. He's like, give me a, you have a coconut. It's a plant. Give me some. I'm a little hungry. I've been let, traveling. Let me study that joint. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Malay word for coconut, which is kalapa, is very similar to the word for head. No. Which is kapala. No. Dr. Robinson may have gotten them confused and misspoke. So to the boy, he thought Robinson was threatening to cut off his head. You know what? I can see how
1: he died. <laughs> I can see it. As As you say these things, it just, it's just coming to fruition. It just, it just makes sense at this point. Oh, yeah. It's like, very unfortunate, but <laughs> this is why you get, like, Duolingo it's instead for of Rosetta. Like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, how unfortunate.
0: Really unfortunate. Oh. Uh, it didn't help that, like I said, rumors of headhunters were very prevalent in this area. There was also a local myth on the island that described a creature known as Potong which literally means to cut off one's head. This thing was a werewolf-like killer that was known to decapitate its victims.
1: Was are you going to tell me now that he was like really hairy? No, and he that wasn't. they think he was a werewolf? No, he oh. wasn't.
0: <laughs> okay. This here's the thing. Like I said. Van Dissel is pulling this straight out of his ass. There's no way he could have known any of this happened. It's, you know, it's a theory. So, yeah, obviously it's not proven. That's the whole point of a theory. But this particular scenario is generally just seen as, like, some embellishment.
1: I think it's a (laughs) really... (laughs) No! See what it's you need re- to say. It's really funny, but it also makes sense. Like, it does make sense. Language barriers. It's really it, unfortunate that coconut is the same as head. <laughs> but I mean, I guess it makes sense. Coconuts can look like heads. That's true. That's they're very fuzzy. True. They're furry. They have hair.
0: <laughs> um, it makes true. sense. It does make sense. And like I said, there's some other, you know, contributing factors like headhunter rumors Poton Kapala being a myth in this area. It's so unfortunate. Uh, whichever s- the scenario, whatever happened, it is generally believed that Dr. Robinson was killed. They wrapped his body in coconut leaves, weighted him down with stones, and sunk him into the sea.
1: What was the point of that? I don't know. Dignity? But I don't know.
0: Because, well, Maybe. <laughs> superstition it could have maybe yeah, he won't I think come back from the dead that's what i was thinking when i first read that that it was like a superstition that
1: deep s- down in the depths of the ocean yeah
0: i didn't find too much about um i didn't find too much about like binanco death rituals death rituals or anything but maybe that was part of it i'm not sure i don't know who's to say who's to say only him i guess only him but yes so The death of Dr. Robinson, who, again, was very well-liked on the island, was a very great shock to the people, and um, one of the sources I read by a guy named Aaron Homer, he says that it, quote, caused general compassion among the population of Ambon.
1: Just to say
0: that, yeah, they were all really sad about what happened.
1: I'm surprised they didn't go out and, like, try to find
0: him or anything. I know. Maybe they did. I couldn't find a lot of information, but... Research? Rescue? rescue. Search, <laughs> search and rescue, sorry. Research! <laughs> Research oh! and rescue. Uh, his colleague that I mentioned previously, Elmer Drew Merrill, he did dedicate his uh, his publication, The Interpretation of Rumpheus's Herbarium Ambonese. He dedicated this work to Robinson. Robinson, I found out, also has a plant named after him. It's an orchid. It's native to Ambon. It's known as Phalaenopsis robinsoniae. Aww. Yeah, I'm pretty. I think he was the one who uh, described it, so he's the Aww. one who named it. Yeah, I feel bad. I know his death is really considered an example of the dangers that botanists in the field were subjected to due to the cultural and linguistic barriers that they had to overcome in order to to fill their studies. Which is why a lot of people who engage in field work now, regardless of whatever their you know discipline might be, cultural anthropology is something that. For one, I think it should just be a required course because I learned so much about it really does encourage you to think outside of yourself and your lived experience and to consider consider ideas and beliefs from other cultures in the context of those cultures. Not saying a cultural anthropology class would have saved his life, but (laughs) I think just improving your cultural sensitivity and expanding your knowledge of other people
1: he was so culturally like competent he was it was just that's the thing about social work mind coming in Mm -hmm. that's the thing about cultural competency you are presumed to not know anything that's kind of like the way we look at it i like that yeah yeah we we cultural competency is not is realizing there's no way we can know about every single culture and to just be an observer and a learner from the person hmm. for them to teach us. And I like that. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to print it. <laughs> <laughs> TLDR. I can't presume to know anything about everything. Socrates once said, I know what I know and I know
0: nothing. <laughs> if you know, you know, and I don't know, <laughs> but cultural competency. I like that. That's yeah. good. But, yeah, I don't think that it was... I just
1: feel bad. This is just so sad.
0: Yeah, from what I understand of the situation, it really didn't seem like any kind of failing on Robinson's part other than his poor grasp of the Malay language. But I'm sure he (laughs) never considered that that would lead to his death. So Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the only fault I see. Yeah. The fault was not in his stars.
0: No. This event is also representative of... European colonization versus indigenous culture, and kind of this the general ignorance Europeans had towards other cultures. Which I, again, I don't think Dr. Robinson uh, was like that. Albeit he was, you know, in a sense as someone from a colonizing nation participating in colonialism in a type of way. I don't think that.
1: No, he was malicious, but it kind of no. just comes with being comes a colonizer. It comes with territory. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it should be noted at this time also, like I mentioned, all the stuff about these new theories coming about in biology and science, that unfortunately, so biology and colonization, unfortunately, have a pretty linked history with each other. And several biological concepts have been applied in instances of colonizing others social Darwinism that comes into play, which is the belief that, you know, some races are more fit than others. (sighs) Not true. It's wrong. It's wrong. And this was used as a justification for imperial powers to colonize other cultures, other groups. This kind of gives way to the concept of eugenics, which is also really big, bad, awful thing. Wrong. Wrong. (laughs) So, Can we just
1: go with the theory that, like, maybe an animal ate him? <laughs> or, like, I, I, like, he touched something wrong? That might, yeah. You yeah. know what? That's what happened to him. Mr. He Robinson touched. died, TLDR, Mr. Robinson died <laughs> because he touched a plant that paralyzed him. And then he was eaten by an animal. All
0: right. Well, that's not, like, <laughs> I don't know if that's, like, a great way to go. But better,
1: question mark? It's better, <laughs> then being killed by a whole bunch of people that's very true you i know. suppose maybe he
0: just took a nice little nap maybe maybe it was like that episode of avatar when ira was like this flower either makes delicious tea or it's a deadly poison exactly guess i'll find out and make it into tea and that's what the territory of being a botanist yeah you're you're there to find out that's true and maybe true. he, he f- f- found out <laughs> he fluked
1: around. Fluked around, found out found <laughs> out
0: how are you supposed to find maybe out maybe did
1: how are, you, how are you supposed to find out if you never fuck around
0: <laughs> the more you fuck around the, the more you you're gonna find, find out, out. <laughs> God, just, but yeah, i'm sorry mr robinson <laughs>
1: your death is not a joke kind um,
0: of there is a <laughs> symbolic gravestone dedicated to Dr. Charles Bud Robinson, located in St. James Cemetery in Pickdown, Nova Scotia, where he was born. Oh. Doesn't say a lot, just says his name, says his date of birth, and, and it, says, it says killed in Ambon, 1913. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. No way. And there's nothing else written on it. Are you serious? I'm serious. That's
1: all they... They had only so many letters, and that's what they chose to write yeah. on it?
0: I found that information on findagrave.com, and... Why did you it came up i'm try. i was trying to find as much as i could about this guy and mm. there's not a lot but there was that so you can just look <laughs> up findagrave.com yeah really
1: yeah. any grave anything. out there in the
0: world anyone anyone anything that has a headstone as long oh. as you weren't like cremated and spread somewhere i
1: did not know that was a thing
0: i didn't either until i found it you fucked around and you found fucked out, out. <laughs> found out fucked around and found a gravestone.com but um yeah. On that same website there's also a there's actually a newspaper clipping included of the reports of his death from that time, which is kinda cool. It's old timey, it has some not really nice language about the native people who killed him, supposedly. Yeah, but
1: that's they really could have just been like Charles Bud Robinson, lover, father, <laughs> friend, finder of flowers. Loved
0: his plants. The end. Yeah. That's what makes me especially sad about this is he really was just here. I have a lot of, I honestly do have a lot of like endearment for some of these early naturalists, early biologists who are just so interested in discovering the natural world with no kind of malicious intent or ulterior motive behind it. Just pure curiosity. Just pure curiosity. Because that's what humans are. We're curious. We want to find things out. As uh, As for the island of Ambon in Indonesia itself, Indonesia did eventually declare its independence from colonial powers in 1945. Slay. Slay, and the Republic of Indonesia was formed that same year. That
1: was after the Second World War. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Ambon is still split uh, nearly 50-50 Christian and Muslim. There has been some tension and conflict between the groups in the past, though today they seem like they live in relative peace with each other. So that's always good. Peace, harmony, love, plants. And at the very end of all of this, I want to—I don't have any like uh, organizations or charities I could find. Well, I didn't look, but I—I <laughs> I, I didn't know what to look up for. Like, oh, don't like to up this plant charity or look at this this plant conservation organization. I could have looked harder though. But I will, however, recommend a YouTube channel to you. It's one of my favorite YouTube channels. It's called Crime Pays, but Botany Doesn't run by i've never heard of this it's run by a guy named joey santore he's an incredibly knowledgeable and very passionate botanist who educates people about plant life all over the world he also has a really thick chicago accent and he swears with every breath which is really funny especially in like episodes where he's just walking down the street ranting about something And he'll, like, stop on the sidewalk when he sees a plant and name its entire scientific name. Oh, my God. And they'll be like, that's cool. Anyway, and then he will keep walking. (laughs) He also has videos of him, like, interacting with wildlife while he's out. There's one where he finds a rattlesnake in the road. And, again, he gives, like, the full, this is a crotalus whatever, whatever its name is. And as, like, he's talking about it, it's just hissing at him and rattling. And he's like, don't rattle that fucking thing at me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so check out joey check out Crime pays but botany doesn't <clears throat> he also has a website and he's just like i said he's a really really funny guy super knowledgeable he knows so much about plants it's kind of scary but. i i got some
1: some some advice yep. not advice well lay it on me if you are in california we are still in the super bloom season we are so please make sure you do not pick california poppies no, no, that no, is no, one no, illegal no. and two very ugly of you not mm. sleigh, uh, not not, slay. not a, a sleigh. um yeah be careful just when you go out into the fields uh, to look at these flowers try not to step on them violently Try to step around them. If anything, just take the picture from afar. Be respectful. Yeah, we don't, don't hurt the plants. Don't hurt the plants.
0: This last weekend was also actually a national oh. plant and native wildflower weekend, too. Cherry blossoms are also in season yeah. right now. So here in San Diego, we have, yeah, poppy is one of them. We have a couple of sage brushes. Mm. Very beautiful. Yarrow. Very beautiful time of the year. Yeah, so if you can. like you a tree tree find whatever plants are native to your area find yep. some seeds at your local gardening store home depot wherever Lowe's. Lowe's. find a little a nice little paste place to plant them and uh, help out your your local pollinators and your local ecosystem yeah be gentle be gentle be, be gentle. kind be respectful we love plants in Gaia we trust in Gaia we trust in Gaia we trust Thank you for joining us on this episode. And I'll see you guys next week. Next week is the tiger episode. Uh, the kumquat. The kumquat tigers next week. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bye. You're not going to say bye again? Don't hit your vape. <laughs> say bye first. See ya. Wouldn't wanna be uh. (laughs) a...